How many of you brought your Bibles to church? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's good. That, is, that encourages my heart, too, to see everybody with their Bibles. Amen. And uh, you can follow along uh, in your Bible if you open to Galatians chapter number 4. And we're going to continue. We're, we're nearing the end of the series on the Spirit of God through the Bible. And we're looking at Galatians and Ephesians today, the Spirit of God. And we ended up uh, going through chapter 3. So this uh, today we're going through Galatians <clears throat> chapter number 4. <clears throat> and I want to, uh, we're looking, going to look at verse number uh, 6 actually, or 7. But I want to read from verses 1 through first. It says, now I say, <clears throat> Paul writes, now I say as long as the heir is a child, the heir means one who is inheriting something, He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is an owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law... in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Daddy, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if the son, an heir through God. Paul says that in the beginning, that that a child, uh, a child, and even a servant were were together. And although he was an heir of promise, he didn't come into that. But while he was growing up, he was under a tutor or under learning, being homeschooled in a sense. And so God was saying that God gave the law, all the the Bibles. Paul says here that. That you, they were under the elemental things of the world. Element, element, meaning the elementary teachings of the spiritual realm. And he gave the law for us, for man and those who are under him to be under that. But that was never going to save them. But that was to teach them. How many of you know children need to learn? We all need to learn, right? But there comes a time when, when your learning then moves you into a different realm. And God says, in the fullness of time, the Word of God says, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That we might receive it. The Bible says Christ was born under the law to take us out from under the law and into his marvelous grace, into the grace and mercy of God. And it says that we might become the adopted children of God, meaning we have a choice. You have a choice. Every one of us has a choice to be adopted into the kingdom of God, you know? And because the Bible says we were all sinners, all separated from God. But when Christ comes, Christ presents to you an option. He presents to us an option. 
that you can remain detached from me and detached from my household, detached from my love, detached from my grace, detached from my mercy, or I want you to become my son and my daughter. He actually, God, walks up to each and every one of you and says, I want to adopt you into my household. God, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord of heaven and earth, who created everything, the Bible says all the silver and gold is His. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. He is the Lord who heals, who restores, who does all manner of things, and He approaches us. Can you imagine that? This is, this is amazing grace in action. That grace, God, the creator of all things, knocks on your door and says, Hello, can I adopt you and make you my son and make you my daughter? And he also says, when he comes in, he says, Listen, if you become my son and my daughter, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God comes to us with an amazing grace and blessings and promises that go beyond our comprehension. We live in a world where children are abandoned and left and kicked out and left on their own and, and sometimes they're even tried to, they're, 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 there's, you read the news in the paper and there's people, ladies, women aborting and abandoning their children. But God says, I don't want to ever abandon or abort you. I don't care what you, I know, God says, I know exactly what you thought, what you did, what you said. I know everything there is to know about you, yet I love you and want to adopt you. Can you imagine that? How many of us would want to adopt someone who's been running around doing, doing all kinds of terrible things and go to them and say, you know what, I love you, I want to adopt you. But you're going to have to, I'll change you. I'll change you from doing all those things. And as you become my son, I'll create in you a new heart and a new spirit that will, that will generate in you the want to and the will to, to do good things. To be a blessing to the world around you, not a curse. Isn't that amazing? That God wants to come to every one of us knowing full well what we've done, where we've been. When God came to me, you know, I was in the midst of all kinds of stuff that was not good. But God came to me and knocked on my door and says, I love you. I want to change your life. I want, to, I want you to know my love. I want you to come and be a child in my household. And when I did, God changed me inside and here I am today. Because why? Not of my own efforts. Not because I was doing anything that I deserved it. But God's mercy and love came into my life, changed my heart and my soul, and now I want to proclaim His love to others. I want to preach His kingdom to others. I want to invite others to come on in. There is a Father. My Father wants to adopt you. My Father wants you to be His son, His daughter. Will you come? This is the gospel. This is the good news. It's not about being under laws, do's and don'ts. It's about coming into the love and the grace and the mercy of God who loved us despite all our failed efforts. Despite all our failed efforts. 
our sins, our faults. God doesn't look to that. God knows. He says, I know, I know, I know. Just come to me and let me erase that past and let me give you a future and a hope. And that's why God, it says here, that when we choose, when we say, yes, Lord, I will be your adopted son, I'll be your adopted daughter, and the word adoption in the all in the Bible in those days, the word adoption was not an inferior type of thing. When a person was adopted, it was just as though they were born into that family. There was no, they were not a second-rate son, a second-rate daughter. They were looked at by that person who adopted them as though they were born from that father and they had every right and inheritance that was available as though they were a natural son or daughter. So adoption with God is not that you're a second-rate child. No, you're as good as born into the family. That's why the Bible says you're born again. You're born anew spiritually as a son, as a daughter. God doesn't birth us naturally into His kingdom. He births us spiritually. And so when you're born again spiritually, when you say, Yes, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I want to live in your kingdom, in your household. Work your work in my life. God creates a new spirit and a new heart. You become born again. Born again into the family of God and therefore you are a child of God full with every right and inheritance that there is. And he goes on to say that he's addressing them that know that. That these these Galatians, they were believers. They heard the gospel. They followed it. And then some were trying to get them to go back under that which God took them out of. And they were trying to go back in observing days and times and other things. And, Jesus, and, and Paul is saying, what, hello guys, wake up. Where are you going? What are you doing? Don't you know you were saved by grace, by mercy, through Christ? You don't have to put yourself in bondage to those things anymore. They've been fulfilled in Christ. So he's saying, come on out and live God wants us to live in relationship with Him as sons in freedom. The Bible says where the, where the, where, where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Free. We're free to love God and serve God without any constraints or chains on us or do's and don'ts. Because when God is in our lives, His grace and mercy, His Spirit and Word in us, they, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, create in us the want to, to do what the Word of God says to do, to follow Him in paths of righteousness. But we can't follow Him without the Holy Spirit. That's why the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is given to us. He's given to us. Why? To come into our hearts to make us crying. He's crying in our hearts. In other words, He's shouting in your heart, God is your Father. He loves you. He cares about you. And so what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's reinforcing the truth that God loves you as a son, as a child. And He wants you to cry out to Him, Abba, Father. 
And in the Greek, that word, the connotations in the Greek means that that is like calling him daddy. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords, but he comes to us with a heart of care and compassion and love and mercy that says, come to me as a child and run into my arms and hug me. And that's why it says we cry. The Spirit of God makes us cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. And he says, therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And a son, an heir through God, he declares. And in verse number 28 of that same chapter, chapter 4, verse number 28 and uh, 29... It says, uh, well, verse 29, But at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, and says, so it is now also. You see, he's making clear that there's a being born to the flesh, and there's being being born to the Spirit. And when you're born anew in the Spirit of God, you're beyond the flesh. You are now living in a spiritual realm with God. You are now entered into the kingdom of God, the household of God. You are now a child of God. And so forget about the things of the flesh that may weigh you down, but you're a child of God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1, look what it says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. God didn't come to you to put you under bondage. God didn't come to you. Christ didn't come to you to put you under a whole set of rules and regulations that would rule and regulate your life. God set you free in the spiritual realm that you may worship Him and praise Him in spirit and in truth. But He set you free from what? From the power of sin and death and do's and don'ts, in a sense. Because He says here, Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. What was it? What is He talking about? What was having people enslaved? Number one, sin was having people subject to slavery. It's not good to be a slave. It's not good to be whooped and told what to do. Is it? And forced to do this and forced to do that. And he was also saying it's not good to be a slave to religiosity. In those days, the scribes and the Pharisees were rulers and dictates, and they were oppressive and abusive to the people, and that was slavery. How much you know? They were calling it religion. They were calling it serving God, but they were putting people in chains, in bondage, into literal slavery. And Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. Not free to go do whatever you want to do, but the freedom that God sets us free from is the sea. That all these yokes that man is trying to put upon us is not good. And so God says you're free now not to do whatever you like, but free to serve God and to walk with Him. And he says, you see Paul, he goes on to say, look what he says in verse 2. 
that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of what? No benefit to you. Because if you try, he was telling them, if you try to keep the law, you're going to lose out on Christ. He says, verse 4, You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have what? Fallen from grace. God is saying that it is by grace, by faith through grace, that you have been saved. And we've got to understand, it is the grace of God that comes into my life that makes me know that I'm a son, a child. This is what makes me want to love Him. This is what makes me want to serve Him. This is what makes me want to follow after Him because it is by His grace, not by any efforts on my part, not by any works on my part, but by faith and grace in Him, He has, he has come to me and blessed me. And therefore, my life is going to serve Him and walk with Him. And so he says in verse number 16 of chapter 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, we, walked by, we, go, we went by a church and they had a big thing on their sign. And it says, feel the Spirit. And we say to ourselves, what does it mean, feel the Spirit? There's, there's all kinds of spirits out there and we don't want to feel the Spirit. Because it's got to be specific. The Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is a Holy Spirit. There's a lot of spirits in this world. And we've got to understand that when we talk about God, about Christ, we, and when we talk about the Spirit of God, we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He is a holy God, a righteous God, and a Holy Spirit that leads us in paths of righteousness. We don't want to just feel the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit. You see, there's a, there's a wrong connotation in feeling the Spirit. We don't want to get caught up in feelings. God has given us feelings. God has given us emotions that are good. And we need to have feelings. We need to have emotions. That's part of the way God made us. We've got to feel. Well, how many times do we say, I feel good. I feel bad. I feel happy. I feel sad. Feelings is a way of expressing things. But we don't live by feelings. We live by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God doesn't want us... He, he Don't get me wrong. He wants us... When the Spirit is in us and we know it and we're communicating and, 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 and active with Him, we do feel His presence in our lives. But it's not about feeling the presence of God. It's about walking with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Because he says, listen, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit in you has the ability and the desire to lead you in paths of righteousness. We just need to listen to that voice in us, the Holy Spirit in us, and look at the Word of God. We need the two together. We need the Word of God because we know God's grace is covering me. His love is covering me because He brought me into His kingdom, made me a son, an adopted son. And now I've got to look to His Word to say, Father, I want to know more about you that adopted me and made me a child because of your grace. I want to understand more through your Word 
all about you. And the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and he, and he quickens that to us. And it is by the Spirit of God. You see, it says walk by the Spirit. It doesn't say walk by the word. We do walk by the word. Don't get me wrong. But he says walk by the Spirit of God. Why? Because Christ came, he did the work of salvation, he brought the teaching, we do have the word of God here, but now we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk the word, to walk in the way that God goes. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do that, we can't walk the walk. But it is. it says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and here's the benefit... What happens if I walk by the Spirit? Paul, he goes on to say, he gives you the answer. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the what? The desires or the lusts of the flesh. See, this flesh, we all have it. Uh, any of you here, any of you here, if you knock, do you hear a hollow sound? Do you hear metal? No, we all have flesh. We, all of us in this room, all of us have flesh. And the Bible makes very clear in other places that the flesh wars against the spirit. We're not going to be in this flesh for very long. One day this fleshly body is going to be transformed. If the Lord comes, it says we're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And we will take on glorified bodies. But in the meantime, you and I are in these bodies of flesh. And the flesh wants to do things, wants to go places, and wants to, to get travel here and travel there into places that are wrong and sinful, and it's a war. The spirit in us is at war with the flesh that is upon, that is upon us. We can't escape this flesh until the day when we leave these bodies, our spirit, and we see Jesus face to face. Or the Lord comes and he changes us in an instant. So while we live our days in the flesh, we have choices to make. We have, uh, uh, we have things to overcome. But the Bible tells us, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And greater is he, the Spirit of God, is greater is he that is in us than the flesh that is covering us. And so God says, you see, you're my son, you're my daughter. I'm giving you all the equipment and the power that you need to walk through this life in righteousness and walking with me in power and in holiness. God gives you power to follow and walk with them. Because he said, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh has a way of speaking to us. That he wants to do things. He wants to do things that are not right. Paul says, you know, even Paul had a war with the flesh. The things I want to do, I, I find myself not doing them. And the things I don't want to do, I find, I find myself doing those things. So Paul continually made it clear that we are in a battle with the flesh, with our mind and with our flesh. But the Spirit of God in us can and will overcome all temptations and all uh, all the, the pulls and all the trickeries of the world and of Satan upon it. So the Bible tells us clearly, walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit of God, and you can be and will be more than a conqueror, more than an overcomer, which means you're going to have joy in your life. 
you're going to see God that, whoa, God made me a son and he's given me power over the things of this world that I can be more than a conqueror. You don't have to fall fall subject to the powers of sin. You don't have to fall to the, to the powers of lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You don't have to fall or give way to those things. If you do, God's Spirit can quickly get you up and say, wash you clean and get you on the right road again. God never abandons us on the side of the road if we fell to any of those things. But God wants us to get up, get cleansed in the blood, and go on, go on, go on with Christ. Walk, then you won't... Because in verse 17, listen... For the flesh, read it, if you got your Bible, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit of God, again, you are not under the law. The Spirit of God sets you free from both the law and the power of sin, that you may live for God and walk for God. Look what it says in verse number 19. He's given an explanation. What is it that the flesh wants to do? Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. It means it's not something that uh, we can't understand or see. What is it that the flesh wants to do? Immorality? Impurity? Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, all these things. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. All those things, have any of us ever experienced? Yeah. Have you ever been angry? Have you ever been wanting to do the wrong thing? Yeah. Because why? These these are the things that makes very clear. These are the things that your flesh wants to get involved with or wants to be a partaker of. And every day that you live on the face of this earth, there is going to be those those elements are going to be enticing you through advertisements. So listen, when you watch your TV and a commercial comes on, what is it doing? It's using this stuff to appeal to your spirit. No, it's using those commercials to, to, to appeal to your flesh and your mind. Because they know, the world knows that these things, there's power in these enticements. In those things, there's power that wants to get your flesh to go out and buy those things or get involved in those things and to make your mind think that this is what everybody's doing, that this is the way to go to be happy, this is the way to go to be popular, this is the way to go to be accepted by your friends and whatever, but it's all a lie. It's all just a a vanity. And God's Word says that your Holy, the Holy Spirit in you is at war against these things. That when these things come on the TV, we should be in our spirit, we should be angered, or we should be saying, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to this anymore. 
Because you're constantly, we are constantly in the world around us, whether it's TV or magazines. Or you open a magazine, I don't care what kind of magazine it is. The ones that used to be, uh, you can open and not worry about anything. Now you open them and there they are. Pictures of this and pictures of that. And they're trying to burn images into your memory so that it makes you think that you need this. You need to do those things. And so it makes very clear that the Spirit of God is not compromising with these things. The Spirit of God doesn't say, well, it's okay, you know, I understand, you know, you got to... No, that's not what the Spirit of God says. The Holy Spirit of God says these things cannot be and should not be a part of your living, a part of your thinking, a part of your doing. And so the Holy Spirit is there to give you Open your eyes to these things and give you not only the the open eyes to the truth that these things are not of God, but also gives you the power to say no to these things. The power to say to these things, get beneath my feet, get behind me, Satan, or I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I can overcome these things. You can't lie to me through these commercials and, and these vanities. Oh, no, because I know better. Because why? Because God's Word has taught you and the Spirit of God is reminding you. And look what it says in verse 21, near the end. I have forewarned you that those who practice these things shall not inherit what? The kingdom of God. What does it mean, those who practice these things? Those who make these things a part of their lifestyle. To say, I can do this. God still loves me. That's okay. That's, that's, that's making, calling God a liar. That's going against the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. God loves you. Listen to me. God loves you. But God does not want you to get involved in these things on a, on a regular basis. And that's what the world does. It's like, it's like an addiction. Once you do it, it's easier to do the second time. And after you do it the second time, it's easier the third. And after a while, you don't even think about it anymore. It's like you're doing it on a regular basis, and you walk around, people walk around saying, well, God loves me. Well, yes, God loves you, but God's Word and His Holy Spirit make clear He's a holy God, a righteous God. And the Bible says, whoever does these things and practices them and wants them to do them in their heart, that they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does it mean if you've done those things or if you're doing them, you have no part of God's kingdom? No. It means that if you continue in those things, it's like it's going to tear you apart from your relationship with God and you will end up being separated from God. But God in His love and in His grace will do all that He can in your life to pull you out of that, to get you to break with that. God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't quit on you. We quit on God, but God never quits on you. And He might say to you, my son, stop that. Get out of that. Give that up. Let that go. Put that away. Flush this down the bowl. Throw that in the trash. Uproot this. Pull down that. So God doesn't give up on us, but God wants us to be aware. He doesn't want us to be in la-la land. He wants us to understand the truth that these things are not going to bring us to the right place. And so God wants us to end up in the kingdom of God. And it is the Spirit of God 
Now look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, meaning the work of the Spirit in your life. What is He in your life to do? Why do you have the Holy Spirit? Again, how many times have you heard me say, we all love to see signs and wonders and miracles. We all love to pray over people and see them healed, don't we? But that is not the primary purpose or work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to bring you into righteousness on a daily basis, to give you power over sin in your life, that you can live for God, that you can be a pillar in the household of God, that God gives you the power to to overcome sin. But not only that, the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you He wants to manufacture in you these items. He wants to bring forth love, joy, peace. Isn't that better than strife and anger and dissensions and fractions? What would you rather have? Love, joy, and peace? Or dissension, strife, anger, bitterness, jealousies? what, What environment would you rather live in? I'd rather live in love and joy and peace than in strife and dissension. So the Bible says, stay away from those things because those things are not going to bring joy and peace into your life. You know, this world, you know, people say, oh, it's not fair. That's right. This world is not fair. God is good and righteous and just. This world is unfair. And this this world wants to get you caught up in things that will bring all these, these turmoil into your life. But when God says, I want to bring love, joy, peace into your life. And that comes through the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is a fruit. It says it's fruit. It's fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you plant a tree and the tree starts to bring forth fruit, how many of you plant a tree and the next day you got fruit growing? Huh? Maybe in a dream you can dream it, but in reality it takes time, doesn't it? There's a process before the fruit comes out, but if it's, if it's, if it's cultivated properly, if it's nourished properly, that fruit will come out. And so it is with you. As long as the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of God is in you and you're living according to the Word, you're saying, Lord, I want to live for you. I want this here. You're, culti- you're doing the right cultivation. You're doing the right watering by putting yourselves in the place where we hear the Word of God and we worship God. There, Therefore, the, the nourishment is coming and the fruit of love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. These are the things that God wants to work in your life through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. This is why He's inside of you. And this is why we miss it. We miss it sometimes. The church misses all of this. Why is the Holy Spirit? So that you can go zap something and say, oh, yeah, well, that's good. I'm not making fun of that, but that's missing the mark. The mark of the Holy Spirit, the work primary purpose is to work in you to bring forth fruit, love, joy. If we can't love one another, the Bible says, Jesus says what? This is how they'll know that you're my disciples. How? By that you do signs and wonders? Why? How? That that you can uh, preach great sermons? That you go preach great Sunday schools, children's church, that you look good, that you dress great, that you talk, walk good? The Bible says, This is how we'll know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. 
that you love one another. That's not so easy, is it? To love one another. If we're honest, if we're truthful. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, God's grace and mercy and love for us, in us, the Word of God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, brings the love of God up in us and through us. And so we're able to love one another through the work and the power and anointing of God, the Holy Spirit in us, that brings forth love and joy. I rejoice when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working a good work that brings rejoicing and joy into your life. This world, following the things of this world, will make you miserable and, and, and think. How many of you have read, and I know you read, these people, multimillionaires, Hollywood stars, committing suicide, doing drugs, because all the things of this world has to offer them cannot bring them peace. They don't have peace. They don't have joy. You might see them and they're smiling, but inside they're so broken, they're so damaged, they're so despairing, they're, 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 they're so in turmoil internally. Why? Because this world cannot give you the things that God wants to bring forth in your life. Why? Because you're His son. You're His daughter. And God wants to give you the fullness of Him and let you know the, the joy and the peace that is in Him. And these things are wonderful gifts that gifts, gifts that God brings in Him. We can't work peace. We can't work joy. We can't work these things out in our own life. If we could, we wouldn't need God at work in us. But we need God at work in us so that we can, so that these things, God can bring forth the true joy and true peace in our lives. And so he, he says that that's why we need the fruit of the Spirit. And look at verse number 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. What he's saying is that we're all children and sons and daughters of God. We live in the same household. And so God says, now that you're my sons and daughters, guess what? Sons and daughters in the same house... How many of you know? They go around punching each other. The, the brother punches the sister in the arm. The sister punches the brother in the arm. And, and they start, you know, yeah, you, right? If you have siblings, you know. That's the way it is. They're, they're, they're making fun of one another and punching each other. You know, and, and that's the way it goes. But God says, listen, this isn't how it's supposed to be in the house of God. All right? No mud wrestling allowed, no punching your brothers and sisters, no envying your brothers. Well, you gave her that, why can't I? How come he's got that? And I, no, don't envy your brother and sister. Be content with what you have, your sons and daughters. Look out for one another, encourage one another, protect one another from the enemy. You know, and, and, encourage one another in in the growth. And that's why he's saying in verse 26, your sons and daughters, you have the power to overcome. And now all these things, peace, love, and joy, should be coming forth, should be growing in your life, should be coming to fruit, should be starting to appear. You know, and it takes a work. We're works in progress, aren't we? We're works in progress. 
And but it says, don't become boastful. Don't think that you're greater or more spiritual or more important than your brother or your sister. No, we are all loved of God equally and we also have to care about one another equally so don't be boasting that you're better than your brother or your sister and don't be challenging one another well let's see what you can do I can do this and let's see what you don't be challenging one another I know this what do you know don't be challenging that we challenge one another to grow <coughs> don't get remorse don't challenge someone to put them down don't challenge someone to say, I'm better than you. Don't be boastful in who you are. But in Christ, you see, in Christ, and don't be envying. Don't be jealous of one another. Well, Lord, I, I've been serving you, and how come how come they got a bigger house than me? I've been serving you longer than them, and, and how come, and how come, how come, how come? Don't be envying one another. How come they got a ministry? How come that one's preaching and I'm not? How come they're doing Sunday school and I'm not? How come they're up there and I'm not? Don't be envying one another. Don't be boastful. Don't be challenging. Your sons and daughters of God crying, Abba, Daddy, Father. And God wants that fruit of peace, love, and joy. For, that What are these things for? Do we need that for, for our relationship with God? No, God, well, yes, we do in a way. But yes, but we need these gifts for one another. Because God knows that we need to have joy as we look at each other. Yeah, we got to have joy, and we got to have peace, and we got to have love. God wants these things are good. These things are lovely and good, and God wants us to experience them, and to not only experience them, but to let these things flow from one to another, from one to another, from my life to yours, from your life to mine, from our lives to the people around us. And not only to those who know the Lord, not only to those who are sons and daughters of God, but to those who don't know the Lord. Because they'll say, how is it you can have peace and joy and love? And how come is it you don't get angry like you, you're supposed to? Supposed to. That's the world's word. How come you, you, don't, you, don't do it, you don't react like you're supposed to react? Well, I don't react that way because... I, I'm in a different house. I have a different family. I, I've got a different upbringing. Or I've been taught differently. I've been taught to love and peace. But it's more than being taught. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have God in me who enables me to act like I'm not supposed to act. And so live for God knowing that you're His son, His daughter. And the Holy Spirit is in you to overcome all those other things, that garbage. But God wants to add to your life and bring forth all these wonderful things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't get frustrated and caught up about, oh, I haven't spoken in tongues. I can't, I don't see any miracles if I lay on hands. Well, you continue to believe God for those things, and you continue to believe God when you pray that God will work a miracle in your life and in the lives of others. But the primary focus in work is that the Holy Spirit at work in you will give you the power every day that you live to overcome temptations and the things of this world, and that the Holy Spirit in you will produce these wonderful gifts of peace, love, joy, patience, long-suffering, faithfulness in and through your life. These are priceless, people. It's priceless.
and the world cannot and will not give that to you, but God freely wants to bring it forth in your life. Amen. Stand with me this morning as we close.